Let's pray together. So Lord, just as we have sung, we race back in our minds to that time 2,000 years ago when you died on a cross for our sins, the sins of the world and our sins and didn't stay in the grave but rose victorious to offer us life beyond this life. And the passing of the years have not dimmed the reality and the power of what you did. And so today we stand before you and and acknowledge you as Lord and as King and the one alone who is worthy of our praise. And we stand here with confidence because you have told us that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in a world that has so many things that's changing, you do not change. So we stand on you as our rock, our unchanging rock that we will never be betrayed by. Thank you. We praise your name today. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning again. Uh, Our scripture's uh, Psalm 67 today, and I'm going to allude to it a little bit later in the sermon if you want to go ahead and turn to that. A big shout out to uh, Jordan and Garen for filling in for me. Uh, It's always great to know that uh, you're in good hands while I'm gone, and, and just thanks to them for appreciating. Jordan, I'm glad you're going to go back and sit with her. I was worried about that. I was like, didn't know what's going on there. Anyway, good to be back with you. It was a great time back in the southeast with our, our two grown sons and their families in Tennessee and in South Carolina. And, uh, but it's great to be back home, too. Uh, next week is our missions conference. Uh, note all the flags around. I'm sure you saw those when you came in. It's, uh, it's always ex- a little rush for me when I walk in and see all the flags, and I'm reminded uh, of all the nations around the world that, that need God and God loves. And so um, we're, we're trying to get geared up for our conference, and so I'm going to talk a little bit about that today and um, kind of taking a break from the greatest story, but kind of weaving it into what I'm going to talk about as, as well today. So if you're new to 12th Avenue, this might be your first time or you're relatively new, you probably are picking up on something, and that is that uh, missions is a big deal to us at 12th Avenue Baptist. Uh, it's a big deal to us, simply said, because it's, it's a big deal to God. It's, it's near to the heart of God. Uh, it is, you might describe it as the heartbeat of God. And so as we, as we read the Bible and as we're unwrapping the Bible and working our way through, we're going to get to John 3.16, the best known verse in the Bible, which really tells us about God's love and most costly gift for us so that no one would perish. We're going to go through the Gospels and you're going to see at the end of each of the Gospels is a commission 
a commission for us to go and make disciples. So, to be clear, uh, my understanding is it's, it's kind of a, a non-negotiable that if you're going to be a church of Jesus Christ, then you're going to be a Great Commission church. It, it's kind of like it, it would be, um, it'd be impossible to say that you're really a church of Jesus Christ and not have a heart and a burden for lost people, which drives the Great Commission. I mean, it's, if you think it through logically, intuitively, it, it just, it's there. So that's why it's important to us. It's, it's not anything more complex than that. Um, we, you, you say, well, this church is more missions-minded than other churches. Well, I think the other churches ought to be more missions-minded, if that's the case. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't think we're too missions-minded. I think we're where we're supposed to be with this. So how does this fit into the greatest story? Let's race back. Remember the greatest story started in Genesis chapter 12 with the call of Abraham. Everything's kind of a prologue up through the first 11 chapters of Genesis, but in chapter 12, we see this call to Abraham. And do you remember what he said? He's going to make you a great nation and all that. But he also said this in verse 3. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And listen, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, I hope you didn't miss that when we were going through that, because we've been talking a lot about how God built the nation of Israel, how God worked through the patriarchs and going down into Egypt and bringing them out on the Exodus and setting them up as a nation and building a culture and giving them a, the law and giving them a land and giving them all that. Don't miss this. So all nations, all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. And there's several layers to that. One thing is this. I want you to understand. There is a consistent emphasis in the Old Testament of God as the sole creator and ruler of the entire universe. So yes, Israel was his chosen people, but there is no hint anywhere that he shares this universe, his dominion, with any other being. Our God is exclusive. He is the one and only, and the universal presence of God and work of God are present everywhere. I mean, his watchful eye is over the whole earth, not just Israel. And it says in Scripture that he sets boundaries and he sets their times and he pronounces judgments on people other than those of Israel. There's so many texts that we can read from the prophets but I, I just would remind you that he called Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, he called him his, his servant. He referred to King Cyrus as my shepherd and my anointed. So hear me, God is the God of Israel but he is the God of the whole world. And just because Israel was his channel of redemption and his chosen nation didn't change that. The second thing is this. In that kind of nation of Israel Old Testament economy, if you could put that in quotes kind of, there are countless individuals who are brought into the plan somehow, some way, from outside the nation of Israel. And so we're getting hints of what we see in the New Testament, what we're going to see in the second act in the greatest story. We get hints of that all through the Old Testament. From Melchizedek to Rahab to Naaman to Ruth. 
from the instruction that we get in the law about foreigners, the foreigner, the non-Jew among them was entitled to join Israel on an equal basis and even to join in and to observe Passover from Deuteronomy 29, 11. And when Solomon built the temple in 2 Chronicles 6, 32 and 33, as for the foreigner who does not belong to your people Israel, but has come from a distant land because of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, when they come and pray toward this temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place. Solomon's praying, let's go back a minute. Solomon's praying there and he's saying, listen, when these people come, when these people come that are genuine seekers of the true and living God, he's saying, hear them. Okay, next slide. Do whatever the foreigner asks of you, He's praying to God for this. Do whatever the foreigner has so that the peoples of the earth may what? May know your name and fear you as do your own people Israel and may know that this house I have built bears your name. So yes, the nation of Israel was God's channel of redemption all through the Old Testament. It was chosen people. But it was not exclusive in the way that a lot of times I think people see it or think about it. And so I could have used multiple readings from the Psalms. The Psalms are chock full of this kind of what I would call uh, missionary thinking. So many times it talks about in the book of Psalms, the nations of the earth, the nations of the earth, the nations of the earth. Um, If you want to look them up, I'll throw out a list here. Psalm 2, 33, 67, 72. Sound like I'm playing football, don't I? Um... 98, 117, 145, those are just some examples of the Psalms. Our text this morning in Psalm 67, did you notice all the references? I think I have them up on the screen. He he talks about that your ways may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. May all people praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. You rule the earth justly and guide the nations of the earth. Psalm 67, verses 6 and 7. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. So, as we read the Old Testament, we can't help but get a sense that God's heart is for all the nations. Now, When we get to the Gospels, when we get to the Gospels and we read about the Jewish religious leaders, we get a very strong sense that they missed this. They were very inclusive. They did not, they did not honor the, own, the scriptures that they should have been honoring. They were very narrow. So, so the nation of Israel... And I can't diminish the fact that the nation of Israel was, was God-appointed and God-centered, but it was also to be a mission to the nations of earth. A couple other references from Isaiah before we leave the Old Testament. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and 
a light for the Gentiles to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Now that is, that's spiritual language. That's, that's not literal. This is talking about spiritual blindness, spiritual darkness, spiritual prisons that they can be released from. And he's saying to the nation of Israel, my intent, my intent was that you would reach these other nations. They would be drawn to your winsome witness, to the light that was in you. One more, Psalm 49, 6. It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. So may I submit to you this morning that as I see it, as I read it, the Old Testament is a missionary book. And the nation of Israel was intended to be a missionary people. Now, we get to the New Testament, and it's a lot plainer, it's a lot more straightforward, and I, I don't think I have to argue very much from that. Uh, we could start with John ten sixteen, where Jesus is talking as the good shepherd, and he's talking to, to Jewish people, and he tells them, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, which I think means outside the nation of Israel, outside this family. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. One flock and one shepherd. And then there are all the verses, uh, in, the, uh, all the verses in the Gospels, all the accounts of the Great Commission. Ours is from uh, Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will, not, will be condemned. So, if I could kind of wrap this together, the Old Testament, the Old Testament, the, the nation of Israel was God's channel of redemption all through the Old Testament. They were His chosen people. He was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I can't diminish that in any way. But they were to be a light to the Gentiles. And the way that I read it, and the way I see it, and the way I would describe it is that they were to be a light to the Gentiles, and they were to come to Israel. It was a, um, the plan was, come, come and see. Come and join us. Come and be a part of this plan that God has for Israel, the God of Israel, the true and living God. And so in the Old Testament, we have that kind of economy as, as I see the scriptures, and, and that was supposed to happen. That's why I have all these verses about the foreigner that's among you, the stranger among you, and how you treat them. When we get to the New Testament, and remember this, remember what I told you when we started this series, there's a unity and there's a progress to what God is doing. And now we see as we are progressively moving through the Bible, when you get to the New Testament, it's not come and see. You know what it is. It's go and tell. Go and make. Go and reach out. Go into all the world and make disciples. And so we see the progressive plan of God unwrapping from the nation of Israel in the Old Testament into this go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. It's an unwrapping, an, an, an unfolding plan. 
so what about us? What about us today? Well, we, we operate in this new economy here. And uh, it's, it's go and tell. It's, it's go and make. Uh, disciples. That, that's the economy we live under today. So, and, and for me, it, it's uh, in, the, in the Great Commission, it's, it's kind of as you are going, make disciples. So it, the way I read that is as you are living your life, wherever you are living your life, wherever God and his providential plan takes you, whether it's to the other side of the world or whether it's to the other side of Emporia. Wherever God is taking you, wherever God moves you, wherever God plants you, tell. Tell the good news. Share the good news. Shine the light of God. Help make disciples. Help people understand the good news of Jesus Christ. So, as we think about missions... Uh, your part of the world may be on the other side of the world, and that may be God's plan for you. And it may be right here in town, or in Lyon County, or in Chase County, or in Lebo, or Olpe, or wherever it is you live, that may be your place. Someone said it, it wasn't me, I think it's good. Your backyard is your mission field. Your backyard is your mission field. Uh, wherever you live, is your mission field. Now, and this is the fact. God could have written it across the sky if he wanted to. He could put on a light show every night with the gospel in it and write it afresh every night across the sky. He didn't do that. He could have dropped it like hailstones from the sky every day with a little message written on these rocks for us to read. He didn't do that. He could zap people with lightning and transform them literally inside out but he doesn't do that no he he left his gospel message to his followers who left it to their followers all the way and it got passed down to to us to us today and we each have a job to do i remember when george murray was here at our missions conference a few years ago i love the way he said this he said there's two groups of of lost people who need Jesus. One, there's, there's people who don't yet believe in Jesus. And the second is that those people who don't yet know that there is a Jesus to believe in. Now hear me, hear me today. Both groups are lost. And so there is a mission for us in America who may, people may pretty generally know that there is a Jesus to believe in. There are people on the other side of the world who don't even know yet that there is a Jesus to believe in. And our hearts should break for that. There's a great need to give people a better chance and greater light to respond to God. People who haven't yet heard that there's a Jesus to believe in. And I just want to say my prayer, my prayer is that God would raise up a next generation of missionaries right out of 12th Avenue Baptist Church. That God would begin to plant seeds in the hearts of our children and our middle schoolers and our high schoolers and our college students. That they would begin 
to dream, to have a calling, to have a vision of, of what God could do through them if they say yes to him. And I also pray that we, as parents and as grandparents, would hold our children and our grandchildren very loosely. That we would be open to whatever plans God has for them and that we would not be selfish or somehow think that, that wealth or safety or even living in America is the greatest good. Those are my prayers. And to see what God does. Okay. A little bit of housekeeping about next week. Let me just tell you about that. Um, you have the schedule there in the bulletin. It starts on, on Friday night and then there's events on Saturday and Sunday. So hear me, if you just come sailing in on Sunday morning, kind of like you, you just got a space there, you're going to have missed half the conference. So hear me, be intentional and be thinking now about Friday night and Saturday to make that in your plans. The second thing I want to talk about a little bit is faith promise giving because this is always new to some people. We always have some new people in church. So if you've been here for 20 years and you know all about it, you can kind of, you just think about something else if you want to, I guess. If you just, you don't need for me to explain this to you. But, but if you're newer to our church, you need to understand this. We have, we have two budgets at our church. One is the one that pays the salaries and pays the light bills and pays for Awana and, and, and VBS and child care and all that kind of stuff. We call that the local ministries budget. Um, and then we have a separate budget that pays for missions. And none of the money in the local ministry pays for missions. Missions is a separate budget for us as church. Now, there's churches, if you came from another church, you might have had a unified budget where it's all lumped together. Nothing wrong with that. We just don't do it that way. We're not saying we're better. We're just saying we're different. That's how we do it here. And what we do is we ask you to give to the local ministries budget, to be committed to supporting the work of this church, but beyond that, to give to missions. And we ask you to, in a real sense, take this as a partnership with God and ask God, what can you believe him for next year to commit to missions? And so there's a card in the bulletin day. There'll be in there, one in there for the next several weeks. And we will take your commitments. We will add those up. And that's what we will use to set our budget for next year. So that's why it's important to hear this today. Because we need your input to know what you're believing God for. Now listen, that's a, they're anonymous. You don't sign them. Nobody's going to come see you if you don't give the money. That's between you and God. If God, It's a partnership with you and God, believing God to bring in the money that you need to fulfill this. Now, again, the two big things to know, and I think we have PowerPoints for this. Again, local ministries doesn't budget any money for missions, and we set our budget based on the faith promise commitments we get from you. So, very candidly, if 12th Avenue Baptist is your church, whether you're an official member or not, if this is your church, this is where you come to church, I, I want to challenge you. You need to be giving to our local ministries budget. You need to be giving to support your church. That's, that's part of, of being a part of a church. But you also ought to be given to missions. Um, so let me challenge you to 
see this as a chance to partner with God and, and to enable us to support our, I, I don't know the exact number, roughly 20 missionaries that we have that, uh, that we support with our missionary budget, support our denominational work, sur- support some local things like the Emporia Christian School and the Rescue Mission in Shiloh. Uh, it goes for all those causes. You'll hear more about that. And you'll see some of those missionaries next weekend. They'll be here in the flesh. And, and you'll hear about what has happened because you have faithfully given. So, again, see this as a partnership. How will you get the money to do this above your regular giving? Well, sometimes God provides money through a windfall, a bonus, or an inheritance. And I've heard stories about that. And sometimes it's you being definite and saying, I'm, you know, I'm going to quit eating out one, one time a week and I'm going to take that money and I'm going to give that to missions. Or maybe you say, I'm going to have a garage sale and I'm going to take the money I get from the garage sale and I'm going to believe that God's going to raise $200, $500, whatever it is, and I'm going to give that to missions. Um, you know, I knew a fella out of state and, and their church was raising some money. I don't think it's for missions. They're just raising money for their church. And, and they gave everybody, I forget what it was, 20 bucks or whatever. They passed out an offer, did a reverse offering, gave everybody money and said, take this money and do something that you can do to make some money and then bring it back. And people did all kinds of crafts and stuff. And this guy, made, he made some kind of uh, Cajun, it was in Louisiana, he made Cajun peanuts. And he took these peanuts and he put all these seeds and he bagged them up and sold them and made this money for the church. They weren't very good. I didn't think, but <laughs> I didn't like them. But anyway, but there are people. But the, the fact of the matter is, it were, what I'm saying is, there's creative ways. There's creative ways that you can partner with God. Um, you know, if you're a rancher, maybe you. You say, well, one of my calves is going to, I'm buying this calf for God, and when I sell it, it's going to be God's money. I don't know. If you're a farmer, maybe you plant a portion of your thing and say, I'm going to give extra out of this field as God provides for me. I don't know. There are different ways that you can see this as a, as, as, as a partnering with God. But um, if it's a new concept, let me, just challenge, let me just challenge you to take a step of faith and, and get involved. And, and let me say this. It's kind of last 10%. Um, I saw some figures from finance team of how many giving units we have in the church. And then I saw the figures of how many faith promise cards got turned in. And it's a fraction of the total giving units of our church. And I think those numbers ought to be the same. I think if you're giving to this church, if this is your church, you ought to be giving to missions too. Just being honest with you telling you what I think. Uh, I really think that ought to be. Why? Because missions is the heartbeat of God. And this is money, this is not money that we hoard up for ourselves. This is money that gets passed through to enable ministry to happen here and around the world. So, anyway, take that for what it's worth. Again, it's anonymous. If you hear what I say and respond, I won't know or not, because it's all anonymous. Um, that's between you and God.